Hey everybody! So we had initially been planning to do our Nightmare on Elm Street series on our Patreon to help us lead up to the eventual um, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees showdown later this year in uh, Freddy vs. Jason. And our schedule got kind of screwed up. That was a combination of just things. You know how life happens. And we were trying to figure out ways that we could handle that. And what we ultimately decided is that because we need to crunch and we need to release several a month, um, two to three a month until we uh, meet up with Jason. And we're not going to have time to do that in our regular feed if we edit and illustrate things the way we normally do. So what we're going to do, because we don't want to have people pay for something that isn't our best work, we're just going to release everything as bonus episodes on our main feed. And they're probably not going to be our best edited episodes. Uh, matter of point, they're not really going to be edited at all. We'll do our sound editing. They'll be edited a tad. A tad. Like, we'll do the sound editing and we'll put in our music and stuff, but we're probably not going to go through and remove all the little pauses and asides and stuff like that like we do with our main episodes. It's just bonus shit. It's just bonus shit, yeah. And Travis isn't going to take the time to illustrate every single episode because those take several hours a piece too and because uh, we don't want to ask people to pay for something that we're not giving monetary worth towards does that make sense yeah we're, we're not going to be giving we don't want to ask people to pay for something that we're not going to have time to put our full effort towards yeah so when we're also putting our full effort towards our our main feed which is you know not behind a paywall yeah and so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna release things as bonus episodes um at various sundays throughout the next few months and this is our first one which we did record initially for our patreon so it is illustrated and edited so you can enjoy this one and just know that going forward uh they're not gonna be they're, they're still going to be quality, but we're just not going to be removing all of the ums, ands, eh, stuff like that. And it's I, just gonna I, be I'm going to have a little bit more fun with the uh, with the cover art for those episodes, too. Are you so. doing drawings for that? I'm not doing drawings. I've got something else in mind. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, so we're already two and a half minutes into this. Yep. So let's just keep so it up that. So this is it. That's right. what's happening. Enjoy. Hello. What's your least favorite scary movie? One, two, a new franchise for you. <laughs> Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies. We fight over favorites. My name's Jesse. And my name is Travis. And today we are starting a new franchise. As promised, hey. we are... Getting Nightmare on Elm Street kicked off so that way we can eventually get it to line up with Friday the 13th where Freddy and Jason have their ultimate showdown. So that's what we're going to be doing. If you are listening to this, you are hopefully listening on our Patreon for the low, low um, one money per month. One yeah. <laughs> one single money per month will <laughs> get you access to this episode. We will be adding more tiers as we have more content available, we've got to get a little bit ahead on our recording schedule to do that. Um, it's also possible that you're listening to the first little bit of this on our regular regular channels. That way we can we can entice you, yeah. pull you in, 
seducio with our words and such. It's so good. So good. But before we get down to uh, the brass tacks that are Freddie's knife fingers, I wanted to do something a little different today, Travis. I found, as we were unpacking, how many episodes in a row is this that we've talked about moving? Uh, it's been... Like every one of them for most of them. Yeah. Like since February. Yeah, it's been a couple <laughs> months straight. Anyway, as we were unpacking from our move into our house, <laughs> did I hit all the buzzwords? Um, I found a book I'd long forgotten, and it is uh, by Dr. Jennifer Parker. It is a guide to interpreting dreams and nightmares. And since we are talking the ultimate nightmares, I wanted to go ahead and look at our own dreams and nightmares. So I thought that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, Travis, do you want to kick us off? What, what's a what's a dream or nightmare you've had recently? You've got to say dream or nightmare because this book has two different sides. Oh, it's, oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, dreams and nightmares. Uh, the nightmare eyes are so scared. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to remember to post a picture of that to our Instagram. <laughs> Um, it was a dream. It okay. wasn't a nightmare. Um, when, when was it? Uh, I think like three days ago is the most recent memory of a dream that I've had. Okay. And I can't really remember the specifics of the dream itself. I just remember this one aspect of it. And it's really weird. But it was... Do I go ahead and say it? Actually. What? There's a section. It's what men and women recall. Let's see if we're any different. So factors associated with recall frequency, since you're struggling to recall yours. Some of them I can remember really well, but this is like the only thing that I remember from this one. Uh, so men tend to have better dream recall, greater or greater dream recall uh, due to interpersonal factors such as job-related stress. Uh, consumption of alcohol, which can increase dream recall in the second half of the night. Waking repeatedly during the night. Okay. Are they trying and to say then, all this stuff is unique to men because of this thing or just... I am trying to read the page, sir. Okay, I'm just You're curious. interrupting me. Overtiredness, unnatural wakings, and sleeping in a strange bed can reduce your dream recall. Intrapersonal factors that can affect dream recall are... Just simply being susceptible to stress and physical illness and facing major life changes or significant challenges and having thin boundaries, such as being able to shut out the world, life offense, and their effects. All of those increase recall for men, typically. Cool. For women, interpersonal factors such as divorce or the end of a significant relation can influence recall. Women who adapt well to these changes dream more frequently. Those who adapt less well don't dream as much. Family issues can increase the rate of dream recall. Wow, no wonder I remember every single dream from my childhood. Uh, <laughs> hey. Working mothers dream less probably due to tiredness. Intrapersonal factors that affect women's recall frequency. Your period can increase the recall of aggressive dreams. Uh, women who register high scores of intuitive, introversion, conscientiousness, and creativity recall a lot of dreams. Holla. Having thin boundaries increases recall. Being creative increases recall. And major, facing major life changes or challenges increases dream recall. So I think uh, major life changes and stress apply to both of us. Yeah, definitely. So. All right. Now that we've got some of that background info going forward for the rest of our episodes. I'm not going to do that for every single nightmare episode. 
just gonna do interpretations from now on can we yeah can we like each episode interpret our most recent dream hell yeah okay cool i like that but i'm not i'm not gonna explain the differences between men and women every single time okay yeah i think that's that's a good idea (laughs) all right so what was your most recent dream tell me about it um so the only thing i remember is it's basically a halloween movie and it's a shot of Ori driving. So you get a head on shot of that. And then from the back seat, Michael Myers appears, but he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he has a giant head. <laughs> it could be influenced from the drawing. Oh, that you did really realistic. Yeah, and I don't know why I was dreaming of Arnold Schwarzenegger being Michael Myers, but that's what it was. It was a scene of Halloween where he appears from the backseat of the car while uh, while Ori is driving. That's all I remember of it. And that's unfortunate because it sounds like it had a lot of promise. All right. So Lori could be interpreted as a heroine symbol in the dream. The inclusion of this symbol in a dream is very powerful and suggests that the true self is making an appearance. Often the hero will have to travel to the underworld or the unconscious, to take on fierce creatures and overcome trials. The journey can be seen as an initiation the dreamer must undergo before accepting his or her true position in life. Oh, shit. You're going to have to battle either a stranger or your brother, depending on what timeline we're in, to become your true self. I have a brother. (laughs) Okay, so we're not in that timeline then. No. So uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Michael Myers. Yeah. Was it young Arnold or old Arnold? Governor era. How would you describe his body in the governor era? I mean, he's always ripped. Okay. He's always a bodybuilder. Okay. So the, <laughs> the animus is the male equivalent to the anima, the masculine aspect of the psyche. This figure will appear in your dreams as the perfect male. That's why I was asking what you thought of his body. <laughs> okay. Uh, being either too male or too female is not a good thing in Jungian terms because it means the personality is out of balance. Jung approved if a female patient reported a dream in which she had sex with a gorgeous unknown male. Doesn't really apply to you. Freud believed that a strong male presence in a dream showed unresolved issues with men in the dreamer's life. So a man that you have unresolved issues with. So I've You got... have to battle to become your true self. So I've got a bone to pick with somebody out there. And I'm also letting my true self come out. Yep. I'm going to express my true self all over this poor son of a bitch. (laughs) All right. So I don't remember a ton of details about my dream. But what I do remember is you, me, Scout, and Talia were all in bed. And Zoe was roaming around the house as she does. Except she, like, could talk and was taking care of things. She was our caretaker. What's her voice sound like? (laughs) Um, like very motherly and nurturing, honestly. I can't imagine that. I can only imagine her having like a really high pitched like. Hi guys. <laughs> no, that's not what she sounded like. She was like very nurturing. I don't have a good. I don't have a good voice equivalent. Zoe and nurturing are not two words that mix well. The cat is one of a series of animals, including the wolf, the bat, and the owl, that are associated with powerful mystical female energy. Fuck yeah. They're known as familiars and are believed to possess magical powers or to enhance feminine powers of their owner. Fuck yeah. In Jungian psychology, the cat is the epitome of feminine magic. Hell to the yeah. Nice. 
It sounds like so. you had some good stuff going. Yeah. And it's, I think that makes sense because we've been talking a lot about the supernatural stuff uh, this past week, and I've very much given my stance that I believe in things like that, and I believe in the karmic energies of the universe and that we're not the only beings in existence. So I think it makes sense that I would have a dream that symbolizes that. Yeah. All right. So that was fun. Yeah. Now that we're talking about good dreams, let's talk about bad dreams. Yay. Yay. Scary eyes. <laughs> Scary eyes. <laughs> Uh, so, A Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. It was written and directed by Wes Craven, music by Charles By Bernstein? I can't read my handwriting. Uh, special effects makeup by David M. Miller. Nancy was played by Heather Langenkamp, who beat out over 200 actresses, including Courtney Cox, for the role. Hey, well, I wish you got her chance later with Wes Craven. Fred was played by Robert England. Glenn was played by a very young Johnny Depp in his introductory role. Part of the reason he got the role is because Craven's daughter found him dreamy. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people did. And this is literally like, I would not peg him as Johnny Depp. Just he doesn't even look like yeah, him. Yeah, no, he doesn't look like him. It doesn't sound like him. doesn't act like him. Well, it makes you wonder like, if like his whole look and way he talks is an act. That makes me think of uh, The Good Place where he's like, yeah, I've lied before. No, Johnny Depp. It's not exhausting dealing with your whole thing. <laughs> Marge was played by Renee Blakely and Lieutenant Thompson was played by John Daxon. It was made with a $1.1 million budget and made $57 million in the box office worldwide. It actually saved New Line Cinema from bankruptcy. Seriously? Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. It had four wins, five nominations. They like rave critical views across the board. One of the greatest horror films of all time. It is called an instant commercial success. It is the third highest grossing horror series with nine films, a documentary, a TV show, a novelization of each film, and multiple comic books. Yeah. So it's a very impactful horror movie. And then I've got some fun facts. Okay. I'm doing a little shimmy. <laughs> we, we're, we're not at the point of doing video yet, but I'm doing a little shimmy from a fun facts. Uh, Robert England cut himself putting on the glove for the first time. So they actually use real blades? I guess. Weird. I if they didn't use real blades, they uh, used decent substitute plates the movie was inspired by cases of real people just simply dying in their sleep i heard about that yeah like there was the autopsy didn't show like heart failure asphyxiation nothing like they just died uh fred actually appeared for less than seven minutes total on screen which one was fred oh fred it's so weird hearing him called fred and not freddy well, he's called Fred like up until the very end when yeah. like, Nancy starts taunting him. Oh, they go back and forth because it starts with a little singing girl saying Freddy. That was actually apparently um, Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend was on set and he was like singing a little song. If That's, the internet's to be believed. That doesn't sound like a boy. No, he wrote the little rhyme. Oh, you, you made it <laughs> sound like he, he was on set so they just had him there singing it. <laughs> There was more than 500 gallons of fake blood used. Not surprising. No. It was shot in 32 days. The words Elm Street are not spoken. And I thought this was fun. Uh, Freddy Krueger is actually named after a childhood bully of Craven's. Hey, that's cool. And it's not the first time that he's used the name Kruger. Uh, I forget which film it was, but there's a character named Krug who was also an asshole. So, uh, I feel like he'd be in one of the Scream movies, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, so 
message, anti-bullying message out there. Don't be an asshole or you might become immortalized as an iconic asshole for the rest of your life. Unless that's what you want, then yeah. So here's another thing because I know the 2009 remake? 2000, yeah, 2009. I saw that okay. in theaters, I remember. I think it, I think it's right. I think it's actually 2010, honestly. So that remake had Fred definitively denoted as a child molester. Yeah. And that's actually how the script was originally written. But there was uh there was a series of molestation cases in California at the time. So they rewrote the character to just be a child murderer. I think to they avoid still... to avoid claims of exploitation. Yeah, but there's you can still kind of tell. Yeah, I mean I mean, I know that that you know they didn't outright say it, but I mean, come on. It, there's, I I don't know what the statistics are on it. I don't want to. God, we got so heavy with the sexual violence themes and Neon Demon, and I just I don't want to do any more yeah, heavy sexual violence today. We don't have to talk on that part. <laughs> uh, so those are our fun facts. We're gonna go ahead and do our ratings now. You go first. Me first. Yeah. Nine. Nine? Nine. It's iconic, dude. It is iconic. I go with six. Six? Yeah. Six? Mm-hmm. Six? Yeah. <laughs> it's a seven point five average. Why six? Um I don't really find Freddy Krueger creepy. A lot of people do. A lot of people say he's one of the scariest horror icons out there, but he doesn't really do it for me. Why not? Because he isn't really intimidating in any way. He is nothing against Robert England, but he is kind of a weird. He's he doesn't. There's nothing intimidating about his appearance, and really, the creepiest scenes in this thing are the ones where you don't even see him. So anytime he's on camera, he is either just kind of like acting really silly. I know that they, this is one of the more serious roles, like one of the more serious movies of him because he gets really ridiculous later on. But he's not really shown as competent anytime he's on screen. Like these are little high schoolers and he has a really tough time wrestling all these people and he has fucking knife fingers. We're not rating Freddy Krueger. We're rating A Nightmare on Elm Street. Who Freddy Krueger is a fucking major piece of the movie. He's not and the, the only piece. With these types of movies, your slasher villain, your movie hinges on that and how they how they behave, how they are perceived. It really relies a lot on that. And if the creepiness factor isn't there, then it really isn't. It doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't live up to it. Like. I get that the whole nightmare thing is scary and he can get you in your sleep. Well, you know, it's just, they don't really, I don't know, they don't really play it that well because the nightmares are kind of lame. And It's not the nightmares themselves. It's the whole concept of you're not even safe in your sleep. Yeah, that doesn't do it for me. Plus, I think that it's more than just, if you're going in just expecting to like the bad guy, like, you're going to miss out on so many other good pieces of a movie. I think the final girl, Nancy, 
holy shit, she was one of the most badass final girls. Yeah, I mean, that's why I gave it a six. I'm not like saying the movie shit. Like, I'm just saying it's not creepy. I'm just saying I didn't like the man in it, so. Yeah, is there something wrong with that? Like, <laughs> I feel like that's like a legitimate criticism for a horror movie. Well, I guess we'll see as we go along what happens. All right, let's do it. All right. So it starts off in the boiler room. I do like the beginning of this. It's kind of cool with him. You just see him suiting up with his knife finger gloves. And you don't really get any context. It's just, you know, this guy is just chasing this girl in the boiler room. And the atmosphere there is pretty creepy because you're just kind of thrown in the middle of it. And it's kind of jarring, especially if you're watching this for the first time. You don't really know what to expect. So I do give the intro credit. Yeah, it's a pretty intense, like, chasing nightmare in... I don't know, maybe that's part of the reason right off the bat that this movie is more effective for me because I have a long history of nightmares. So that feeling like I don't need a whole lot to get me thinking about my own nightmares. But Wes Craven captures the atmosphere of what it feels like so well, like that just that panic and no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to get far away enough fast enough. Yeah. Yeah, he does a pretty good job of getting that right off the bat, at least. Yeah, and then the next day, Tina and Nancy and Glenn are walking to school together, and she's talking about her nightmare, and Nancy's like, oh, that's weird. I had the same nightmare, and then Rod comes up, and he said, I had a boner when I woke up with your name on it, and Tina says, my name has four letters. How could it fit on your joint? And I just think that's the sickest burn. That was really good, yeah. (laughs) Like, that's my second note on the paper because it's just amazing. I think we needed more Tina. And then as soon as I thought we need more Tina, I heard little Jamie Lloyd in my head going, Tina! (laughs) Um, Did you also think that Rod looked like Michael Jackson? No, but I thought his guyliner was on point. Oh, he had eyeliner? Yeah. He I had guess. it on when he was still in prison, too. I was like, are they, like, just passing him his coal underneath? Like, hey, man, go ahead and suit up a little bit. Because it was, like, it was still, like, fresh looking in the prison. Really? It wouldn't have been after that. How long was he in prison for? I don't remember. I don't They're think not, it was that not long. Not prison, jail. The correct term is jail. Yeah. I don't know how long. It was only, like, a couple days. Yeah, that's day a, the movie not takes place long. over a very short yeah, period of time. Yeah, but he's, like, on the run beforehand. It's Unless like a day, like, though. Like, maybe he's got his eyeliner in his pocket at all times, like his jacket pocket. Because he wears the leather jacket even without a shirt. So he just keeps his eyeliner there, so it's good to go. And he can, like, Is he wearing a leather out. jacket in the jail? Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe he does. I mean, it's probably like me and my lipstick, because if I bring nothing else with me when I go out, I bring my phone and my lipstick, and I'll stick them into whatever holding device I have. Usually your pocket, but if yeah. you're not there, it's like bra or like waistband in my pants or something no pockets no pockets ever so sad so anyway (laughs) they uh nancy and glenn decide that they're gonna stay with tina because her mom is gone for the weekend and i started making little notes about mentions of the parents and observations of the parents because i have a thesis and i'm gonna get to it later but i'm taking note of what actions and behaviors the parents have because it's important to my thesis. Okay. And what's happened with her mom is the 
she is in Vegas with her boyfriend, and the dad had like abandoned the family previously. Tina's dad had. Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I miss that. Yeah. It well, it's later on. It's not like Tina was like, "Hey, do you want to come over to my house? My mom's <laughs> in Vegas because my dad abandoned me, and she's with her new booty call." Like she didn't say that. That's that would be like awkward exposition. Although if I was in a horror movie, that's yeah. exactly the type of thing I would say because that's I say things that make people uncomfortable because I'm numb to my own trauma. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like, "You're saying this isn't realistic," but then again, this is like the same shit you do. I make strangers uncomfortable. <laughs> So they they go to Tina's house, and Tina's like, Glenn, should you be here? How scandalous. And he's like, and Nancy's like, oh, his mom said it's okay. And he's like, well, kind of. And then he plays like this stock sound tape. I want to know where he got this uh, tape of stock sounds. Not only that, I'm wondering why it was immediately followed up by a gunfight. I, I have so many questions. It's like a white noise machine with completely improbable scenarios on there like who is requesting this to go to sleep with at night no maybe some people have i don't know some desire to like they grew up near an airport and that makes them happy at night we were talking about uh sound like what is the what is the um you know when people when people talk into the microphone ASMR? Yeah. We were talking about that and uh, different things that make you, that like are soothing to listen to and it kind of got more general and people were like, rain, whale sounds. And somebody was like, I like to listen to traffic. And I was like, what? No, they didn't explain it at all. They were just like, I like to listen to traffic. They're probably from the city. God, I guess. That'd be I my know. only reasoning for that because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. It's weird. Anyway. That's yeah. It, it was a very intense stock tape. I can't believe that Glenn's mom bought it, but I think she's kind of like, "My Glenn's a good boy. I'm not gonna worry too much about him." I get a little bit of that sense. Yeah. I, I, we'll talk more about Glenn's mom later too. Yeah. Then they like notice something outside. I think right. Yeah. And... So they, there's this weird like nails on chalkboard type sound, except it's more like metal on metal. And they're freaking out because they all had this dream about the man with like the long pointy fingers. And so they freak out and they go outside and oh, cool. It's just fucking Rod. Yeah. <laughs> like what a tool this guy is. I, I mean, I, what is this with horror movies and like guys have to sneak in on the sleepover in the most ashholeest way? Uh, I guess. Did I say ashhole? Ashole. I'm watching too much good place. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like in this case it's to make him kind of hateable. I don't know. Because well, actually I take that back because you're not really meant to feel bad for him or hate him. You're meant to kind of feel bad for him because I mean, I guess he's like a typical what are they? Like yeah. 16, 17? Yeah, they're like high schoolers. Yeah, I guess I guess it's typical behavior and I'll say it. I'll say my catchphrase. Teenagers are assholes. It's a thing. It's a known thing. I guess I probably knew people in high school that would have done stuff like that. We had a friend of (laughs) my my friend. We were over like our whole friend group hung out at her house all the time. And there was one guy in the neighborhood that her dad didn't really like just because he was very erratic. And it was just (laughs) it was too much chaos already with everybody that was always in the house. So one day I was going to be over for the weekend 
And the guy and me and her were all hanging out outside. And he was like, come in and eat some spaghetti. But he, the other guy wasn't allowed in. So he climbed up in the tree before her dad could see. And like we're eating and the whole time we're like giggling and looking outside. And then he finally goes out there with like a broom and is trying to get him out of the tree. He's like, you need to go back home. Poor kid. So anyway, I feel like that's uh, Rod. Rod's climbing the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Tina kind of forgives him almost immediately, though. Like, even though he's acting like such a piece of shit. She's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go upstairs and have sex. Yeah. I... Nancy's a good friend to Tina for being there, but she's also not willing to take any shit. She was like, Rod, we're here for comfort. Calm the fuck down. Why are you? You're doing the exact opposite of what we need to do. And then Tina's like, it's okay. We're going to go have sex. Yeah. We're going to go have really loud sex, and we're both going to fake our orgasm sounds. Yeah, they they really sell it. And Glenn's <laughs> like, hey, man, let's have sex soon. She's like, no, we're here for comfort. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, they're what? going up there to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it? Um, morality sucks. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's he said. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're just like obnoxiously loud one with people in the house but two in general like nothing against loud sex but they're obviously like yeah people people do that like there was people like that in college like they're like they put on a performance it's like a girls club girls club ah oh yeah ah, (laughs) go check out mark rebelet but yeah so Afterwards, the whole post-coital thing, Rod's talking about how he's had a nightmare, and he said, guys can have nightmares too. Aw, look, there's a sensitive side. We're supposed to get forgive all of his previous behavior just because he's got feelings, yeah, even though he's a man. And men have manly feelings, but they're not allowed to feel their manly feelings except for in the comfort of their own manly interiors. That's like, that's a post-nut reset so <laughs> at that point you like yeah like he like <laughs> drops the act it's like oh man hey what's up tina <laughs> that was that was tina. swell wasn't it <laughs> by golly it's like, what do you gotta be so mean <laughs> we should call you mina <laughs> <laughs> but this leads into one of the first nightmares afterwards because we go back to another one of tina's dreams and she goes outside, and in her dream, she sees Freddy down an alleyway, and he's normal. And then it cuts back to Tina, and then it cuts back to Freddy, and all of a sudden, he's got giant arms that are, like, extending all the way across. The fuck is that about? That looks goofy as hell. Dude, it's so scary when a dream, like, when stuff happens like that. Dream physics have no rules, and it's terrifying. But because it's... dream physics for the bad guys. Or just out of the wall, but usually for you, like you're you're bound by all the same mere mortal physics. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah, but he just doesn't look intimidating. He looks so fucking goofy. Oh well, was it intimidating when he ripped open her chest in both the dream and in real life? Well, before that, whenever he like retracts his arms back to normal length, she starts running back from the alley, and then he chases after her. Another instance of him looking goofy because he's got like this stupid little fucking run where he's like kind of like waddling back and forth like a penguin or something. Okay, I have a real question for you. What? What did you think about Pennywise in the new It movie? 
I liked him. Even when he did, let's say, that little jig. Yeah, I did like that, yeah. Okay, how can you accept his goofiness? Because Pennywise is way creepier. Why? In appearance alone and just his attitude, like the way he behaves is way more. What What is the difference? Pennywise is like chaotic in a way that he doesn't really understand people. Like, I, I think he he feeds off of their worst fears, but like. What do you think Freddy is doing? Freddy is just kind of sitting there in the corner and he's grinning and he's cutting off his own fingers and he's just like yeah look at that shit that's a fucking power move man like you got fucking goo coming out of here yeah what do you think about that pennywise on the other hand he's just like i'm gonna keep the camera right on my head and it's not gonna move and i'm gonna fucking dance and it's gonna be stable and it's gonna creep you out because i'm a fucking wild card i i think you're Motivation is purely shallow. I think you're going off of looks and looks are important. I think you're just afraid of clowns. I am afraid of clowns. Clowns are very creepy. Travis is currently sitting in front of four portraits of clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of them art the clown. Staring him down. Art the clown, one of the best clowns in horror history. Fight me. Um but yeah. So okay, what about the what about the Tim Curry Pennywise? Uh, to a lesser degree. He was more scary when I was a kid, but... See, I think that you were just horny for special effects. No, not really. I think so. I think you like the... As much as you like 80s slasher movies, I think that you like the newer cinematography and effects better. No, because... Because you're being awfully shallow about the reasons that you don't like Freddy. No, I prefer practical effects, and it was mostly CGI with his stuff, but um, I don't know. They pulled off the aesthetic a little bit better, I believe. Freddy's just a man with a fucking fedora and a red and green sweater, and... He sucks at killing people. Like, I mean, well, oh, he doesn't well, suck Tina, at killing people. Tina fucking dies pretty quick, man. After being floated around the That's, goddamn room. Yeah, so you know what? Actually, I need to take that back. So he does not suck at killing people because all of the deaths in this are pretty fucking awesome, especially this one right here. I, like, watching this now, I'm like, how the fuck did they pull this off? Because uh, she's just, like, being drugged up to the ceiling and just like dragging up against it, like blood's being like, I don't know, there's like a trail of it following her around the room. You still get Rod in the shot. You like get to see him looking up and seeing this whole thing happening too. So they did a really good job with that. Yeah. I, okay. Once upon a time, I had seen something behind the scenes of how they did that. I don't remember what it was, but it was a really cool way that was they it made wires? the effects happen. I don't remember. I we have this on DVD, but it was like a really cheap Walmart horror pack. Like it has the first four, I think. Three yeah, or four. it does. Yeah, yeah. So it was like got it for seven dollars. So it didn't have. It had some stuff. We just uh, I don't think it, I don't know if it um, had any of that. Yeah, we were trying to like do a bunch of back to back watching and recording that day, so we didn't have a bunch of time. Yeah. But yeah, there is um a lot of cool practical effects going on with it. I. Didn't love the effect of her chest being torn open because it felt very like 
you and most of our listeners aren't going to get this. So Barbies back in the day, whenever there was like a special feature to them, there was always like a little bit weird. Like they'd have attenuated joints or something, or like you could have a little ring to make them flip. And it kind of makes me think of like if there was a Freddy Krueger Barbie doll, like a Tina plus Freddy Barbie doll set. Her chest would be hollow, so that way you could like pretend rip it open. That's kind of what it looked like to me. It didn't look good to you? Yeah, no, like the actual cutting effect didn't look good. Uh, but I thought the blood looked decent. Yeah, the blood's really good. Yes. Yeah. Just the actual chest cutting open thing was a little bit like they didn't linger on it for very long, but I think it's just because I've gotten to the point where like I'm always looking at special effects now that yeah. I was like, mm. Yeah, it was a quick cut. So, I mean, if they lingered on it, it would have really <laughs> been noticeable. It was four quick cuts. Ooh. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> So then, um, you know, they, Glenn and Nancy break down the door. It's locked from the inside. Rod has run outside because he immediately clocks that he is going to be blamed for this shit. And he is not wrong. And I mean, honestly, who can blame anybody for blaming him? Well, for one, you can just stay there and be like, how the fuck am I going to be capable of dragging her up against the ceiling of this place? I'm not that tall. I can't like... He might have to like be like, I'm not that strong, even though he doesn't want to say that. But how else is he going to play? Like, who is the other suspect? You gotta, you gotta. So he, his whole defense with this, because they track him down later. Um, but he is saying that somebody was in the room and somebody killed her. He couldn't see her, or he couldn't see him, but he knows somebody else was in the room and. I think your best argument here is to go with that. Like, it might not look the best for you, but if you're running away, that's going to look so much worse. Ain't no jury going to believe it either way. He was going to fry regardless. No, maybe. So, this is where we find out that Nancy's father is the lieutenant. And here's how we find out. Because the lieutenant and some other officer are talking and one officer is like oh mom's in vegas with the boyfriend she's not answering her phone make a note of that mom not answering the phone even though she knows her daughter is home alone okay and lieutenant thompson goes what was she doing there and the officer is like what the fuck do you mean she lives there and then he opens the door and says i mean you talking to nancy and i'm like Okay, first of all, rude to the officer behind you. Second of all, what the fuck is Nancy supposed to say to that? You had the first half of this conversation on the other side of the door without her. <laughs> this guy like lives in his own head the entire time. <laughs> it's got to be frustrating having conversations with him because he transitions from one conversation to the next with the next person he sees. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? The divorce has been rough on him and he's been talking to himself a lot in his new bachelor pad. Are they divorced? Yeah. Oh, I thought the dad lived there. I, th I just thought he wasn't there all the time because he... No, they're, they're divorced. Fuck, man. What did I miss? Watching That's why this? they're so like kind of hostile to each other throughout everything. I just thought it was like stress from everything going on. No, I mean, they're stressed too, but yeah, no, they're, they're divorced. Well, fuck. They got... They got that BDE, big divorce energy. They got a fucking mansion, and the <laughs> wife won that she one. She got that in the divorce. Yeah. 
So Lieutenant Thompson, um, even when he does start actually speaking to his daughter directly, is still kind of a dick about it because he's like, what were you doing hanging out with that lunatic? And she's like, Rod is not a lunatic, daddy. And I'm like, he kind of is a little bit Nancy. He did like pull out a switchblade on you guys after he, you know, purposefully made you think that he was an intruder. So you guys are kind of on edge. <laughs> he is a little bit of a lunatic. So An odd he, he didn't he didn't kill Tina. Slightly loony. And she she was talking about how Tina and Rod had had a fight, but it wasn't anything serious. And her mom, Marge, Jesus fucking Christ, said, maybe you don't think murder is serious. Calm down a little bit, dude. Your daughter's <laughs> best friend just was murdered. Yeah, while she was there. Yeah, and she's like, obviously, I'm taking this seriously. She's like, I just meant, you know, them bickering about him missing a date wasn't enough for him to kill her. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus H. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of a stupid jump. And, like, you know, spoiler, but she's responsible for the murder. Of Fred Krueger, Marge's. Don't call him Fred. Just call him Freddy. Come on. Fred. It's Frederick. Freddy Krueger. She is responsible for the murder of Frederick. And it's a little bit hypocritical for her to be like, maybe you don't take murder seriously. <laughs> it's just one of those people. It's like, oh, it's different when I do it, though. Mmm, that good old fundamental attribution error. Yep. Love that. Love that journey for her. The next morning, Marge is watching TV on her tiny little kitchen counter TV. And the news is on. And she's pouring herself some vodka straight in the AM. And obviously, Marge's alcoholism is very much highlighted throughout this film. Yeah. But that's another like parental behavior to keep in mind. Yeah. And she's like all the classic like alcoholism thing, like because she's drinking first thing. Like she's always drinking. We never see her not drinking except for maybe at the sleep clinic. And I wouldn't be surprised if she was packing a flask in her purse. Yeah, she's hiding stashes. Cause, yeah, she's yeah. got stashes hidden everywhere because Nancy busts a bottle on the kitchen floor and she's like already down halfway through another bottle a few hours later. Yeah. She's got them packed up. She's, yeah, she's not in a good place. She is clearly not handling several life things well. No. And then Rod does the dumbest fucking thing he could do, which is grabbing Nancy when she's out in broad daylight, even though he's presumably known her for a little while and presumably knows that her father is the police lieutenant. Rod's not a smart guy. We've, yeah, we know that at this point. But yeah, that's really stupid for, like, anybody right there. Like, she is a known associate. Obviously, they're going to keep an eye on her. Double obvious if her dad is the police lieutenant. I guess he really just wanted to get his point across to somebody. I don't know. She believes him because yeah. he makes a compelling argument. It's, you know, everybody's already on edge because they're sharing the same nightmare of this guy that is just kind of creepy and doing weird shit. And... He makes a comment, I believe, about how he had, uh, like, knives or something like that. Yeah, the knife fingers. Yeah. So now Nancy is like, okay, this is weird that four people had the same dream. One of those people is now dead. She's starting to think that maybe there's all something going on. 
Anyway, she goes to class and they talk about Hamlet. Oh, well, also the cops bust oh. Rod. I thought that was kind of I don't implied by me talking about. Well, in case it wasn't this okay. important, he's he's been caught here. Yeah, and Nancy's rightfully pissed to her dad for using her like that. Well, what is I, I understand get his him. point. I'm just also saying I get why she feels like her privacy was violated because it seems like maybe he's not around a whole lot because he's very focused on work. And now that his parents are divorced, things are always tenuous between them. She doesn't get to just, you know, enjoy having parents. She's dealing with their dysfunction. And then on top of that, like her friend who she doesn't think murdered her other friend has been arrested partially just because she was walking to school, which she was getting yelled at for for going to school. Nancy is having a a bad day. Mm, Fair. Then Uh. she goes to school and they talk about Hamlet and... It's very intentional, I think, that they're talking about Hamlet because Hamlet is basically a lot about prophetic dreams and sins of the parents. Okay. Which is obviously applicable to this movie. It's been a long time since I read it and I looked at the Cliff's notes and basically, like, what happens is the King of Denmark is murdered and his brother comes and marries the widowed queen And everybody thinks that, like, they think the king's death was an accident. But there's, like, a ghost that comes to Hamlet and says, no, I was murdered by your uncle. And Hamlet tries to pretend that he's crazy so that way he can get away with trying to find the truth behind what actually happened and expose it for what it is. Which very much parallels what Nancy ends up doing because everybody thinks that she's just gone crazy from lack of sleep and grief and stress and everything. And then she ends up, you know, pulling uh, Frederick out of the dream. Don't do this to me. God you damn it. You did this to yourself. <sighs> but yeah, so uh, fun fact for everybody who didn't pay attention in English class in high school. That's what Hamlet's about and it's relevant to the story. I did not pay attention to that in English class and thank you for reminding me because I... I completely forgot about Hamlet. If you need the Cliff's Notes of Hamlet, just watch The Lion King. Really? Is that based off of that? Mm-hmm. It's also based off of some kind of Japanese cartoon, but, you know. <laughs> it's also based off of National Geographic. I may be wrong, but I think it's called Akiba, something like that, but it's it's a blatant ripoff. Anyhow, we get to the scene of uh fuck what's her name well this is the same scene it's english class that she falls asleep in okay well yeah so she's asleep in there and this is one of the instances of a creepy scene that doesn't really feature freddy and one that i think is well, really it effective kind of it features frederick but not as frederick like yeah. as other characters like the hall monitor i like that, I like uh, that. yeah i like that they do that because it adds like a layer to it but she sees a body bag being drugged through the hallway. That's a creepy ass scene. I know, it's really good. And then whenever she wanders out into the hallway, she sees it just laying out in the distance and then something invisible picks it up and drags it even further around the corner. So there are so many references to this scene in pop culture. Uh, Wes Craven kind of references himself with this in Scream 3. It's a little bit different because he's playing a little bit different, but no, he referenced, yeah, the janitor named Fred uh, is wearing a red and green sweater, but I'm talking about Scream 3 where 
Sid sees her mom outside and it's kind of like a similar like body bag reanimated type thing. That's so jarring for that movie, that that moment. Anytime that happens, I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? But yeah, this is a really cool scene. There is an episode of Buffy that's kind of similar to that too in the first season. Was the first or second season? One of the one of the early seasons, which I'm hoping uh, people back me up if this is what you want to see. But I'm hoping we can get Travis to watch Buffy, and we'll talk about it season by season on the Patreon if that's what you want to see. Uh, email us, tweet mean things at Travis. Just say, uh, just say, don't be a Xander, Travis. Don't be a Xander. I know that Xander is annoying. Xander grows, and it's not that he's annoying, it's that he's a blatant misogynist in the first few seasons. Yeah, I've heard. So, but yeah. Uh, there's, there's like a nightmare episode, and it very much references Craven in it. Well, back to the okay. scene. Um, I like the, whenever he, or whenever she goes around the corner and she sees the hall monitor, you can tell... That it's going to be Freddy right away because she's wearing red and green. You know, you've got the, the whole Freddy get up going on. And then I think whenever she walks down further, she turns around and the hall monitor like yells back at her. And suddenly she has the gloves on. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I just love this scene. Like, it's really good. It's really creepy. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm, I'm saying this movie excels whenever the dreams don't necessarily feature Freddy themselves or him himself because. Yeah, but this is Frederick toying with Nancy. Like he's trying to get her barriers down. He yeah. like it's part of the whole, you know, mind fuck thing. Yeah. If he did more things like this as himself instead of. I don't know. I feel like he's way more effective whenever he's not like actually his own manif- manif- manifestation. When his own manifestation there. is there because I don't know. Something about it just kind of immediately drops it for me. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this uh, cuts to Nancy actually waking up. Her arm has been burnt. She wakes up, she's screaming, she's in the middle class. The teacher is like trying to calm her down. And she's just like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave. And the teacher's like, I don't even Yeah, okay. It's fine. Oh, I mean Yeah, like she's like, yeah. I don't I don't know what else to do. I fell asleep in class one time and it was AP bio and I forget what it was we we're supposed to be talking about. I just remember I was dreaming something about flowers and the person next to me was like, did you have a question? And I was like, what about the flowers? And then I realized I was awake. So like I've had that moment of like falling asleep in class and all of a sudden you wake up and you realize you're in class, but I wasn't like, I wasn't being pursued by a murderer. So I guess I can't Mm -hmm. fully relate. Not, not to try and take the spotlight away from her trauma. (laughs) So she decides that she's going to, uh, yeah, she decides she's gonna go visit Glenn at the jail. Sorry, I'm trying to understand my own shorthand. Not Glenn, um, Rod. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, Rod. Glenn's a good boy. He's not gonna go to jail. Yeah. So she's just like she is really honestly trying to understand what he's saying and what his perspective is and why 
you know, what could have possibly done it. And that's where he mentions the thing about the razor fingers. And Nancy's like, yeah, yeah. And then we've got another fucking, Mm -hmm. so many fucking iconic scenes in this film. Because this next one is her in the tub. And we see that shot of the glove just coming up. It is creepy as shit, man. That one is cool. I like that. Yeah. Like parts like that, like I like how it phases in and out of her being in a dream, and it's seamless. So mm-hmm. you never know what's actually real and what's not. That's really well done. I I do appreciate that. And I think it's it is so much more effective than other movies where you just have random dream sequences. Like we just talked about the neon demon, and you know we've got that scene where uh, Keanu Reeves is like putting his knife into Jesse's mouth. Yeah. And the whole time, like at first, we're like, wait, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, it like actually is a dream. I like that, though. I liked it. I liked it because it's jarring. But this actually makes so much more sense when you like interweave it with the story itself, because that's what Nancy is actually legitimately going through. I think you and I, most of the time, if you have a weird dream, you wake up from it and it takes a minute to get over the fact that it was a dream. But... Like for her, she's actually being hunted in her dream and she gets so sleep deprived that it's hard for her to tell when she's awake, when she's asleep, when she, what's real, what's actually a threat, what isn't. And I think it's so like, it's not even just lip service to the audience. Like here's a scary moment. Like it's actually the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I think that's really great. And then her, mo- her mom is like, don't fall asleep in there. To help you sleep, I brought you some warm milk. She's just like, people drown that way. <laughs> and then the, to the warm milk, Nancy goes, gross. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's gross. <laughs> um, but then I- she falls asleep again and gets dragged underwater in deep, 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 deep water. And I've had this nightmare so many times. Being in water like that? Yeah, a drowning Deep, deep, deep water. Not in a tub. Usually it's like on an island. Tropical. Not tropical. It's more like Lord of the Flies. Like My nightmares are nightmares from beginning to end. They don't start off pleasant. Like (laughs) just this nightmare all the way through. It's dream or it's nightmare. It's not both. I can't tell if that sucks or if that's good because... It's terrible. (laughs) Do you remember the time I woke up and I legitimately thought you had tried to kill me because it was such an intense dream? Mm, no. Remember? No, it was our senior year of college because you like you were like, I'm going to get up and get ready for class. And I like scooted across the bed away oh, from yeah, you. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> and that. you're like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, you just tried to kill me. Maybe I did. <laughs> All right, folks, if I end up dead, don't let this become an unsolved mystery on Netflix. <laughs> Travis did it. He just nodded. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's all there. The evidence is lined up against me. Um, I like how whenever she screams and her mom's like, oh my God, what's happening? And she's like, I just tripped. Like, (laughs) whenever you trip, do you like scream at the top of your lungs? Like, ah! (laughs) 
I don't. You tell me. I trip a lot, and you usually come running to check on me. You don't do that. You don't scream like you're dying. I usually just make a lot of noise because I when I <laughs> when I go down, I take everything around me with me. This is like scream queen material screaming right here. What Nancy does. She is a scream queen. She is. That's what I'm talking about. Like people don't do that whenever they trip out of the shower. It doesn't suck that bad, guys. Come on. <laughs> Well, after she's done with that, she finds stay awake pills. Great, great marketing. Who came up with that name, fellas? That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to are, stay are awake, you I'm going to... hungry for apples? Hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being a thing for the... Yeah, and then she uh, she does what always worked for me in high school, which is just staying up reading and watching horror movies. No, she does a terrible thing because she's laying down in bed watching TV. We both fall no. asleep so often doing okay. that. But she's staying up reading. And That's I can't always people fall asleep reading all the time. That's like one of the things that makes people fall asleep the fastest. Okay, not if you like to read and Nancy's a nerd like me and you can't convince me you otherwise. You don't know that. She is a nerd like me. You're just identifying with Nancy, but yes. you don't even know Nancy. You don't know Nancy. I know her better than you. What? Yeah. No. I think I do. I think you don't. Well, I know that it's a fucking stupid idea to lay down in bed if you're trying to stay awake, because why Why would you do that? Okay. Um, Sit up. When my mom gets here tomorrow... We're going to ask her about all the times that I stayed up way, 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 way late with like a flashlight or a little glow stick or something and read my books. And she was like, well, that's why you're tired because you're. Are you going on no sleep at this point? Because she's not slept the previous day. I, well, no, obviously. Well, that's like, what I'm talking about. Like somebody who's like running low on sleep okay, is well, not going to want to do this. Also, you know, trying to defend her own life here. Terribly. She's got motivation. No, it's it's stupid. I'm just, uh, you can't defend it. It's stupid. I am defending it. You're not doing a good job. Well, are you going to defend Glenn climbing up a trellis? This just made me realize Wes Craven has a thing for high school boys climbing up into high school girls' windows. I know. Like, was that ever a thing? I have, a, I think it is a thing. Uh, I, I don't really know any other things that it's from, but I definitely know what happens in this and Scream. No, I mean in real life. Oh, um, I'm sure. I'm sure people did that. I mean, I don't really know any people who had that type of situation to where they had like those circumstances line up and they wanted to see that person that night. Usually people just kind of come over and sneak in. All right, folks, if you've ever climbed a trellis or had anyone climb a trellis to get to you, let us know. Please, that'd be interesting. It's important for our research. I'm not going to tell you what we're researching, but we need to know it for research. <laughs> so anyway, he comes to visit via trellis, and <laughs> this I'm laughing at not because I'm a bitter person who's like, oh, the youth, because uh, Nancy looks in a mirror and she goes, God, I look 20 years old. Which, yeah, 20 isn't old, but when you're 16, it is a lot older. Like, yeah. it is. And I know people, like, want to make fun of that. Like, oh, honey, I get that all the time where I'm like, I am starting to legitimately get wrinkles. 
and it is what it is. I've had a lot of sun exposure in my life. I've had a lot of stress. What the fuck ever. It is like I'm not mad about it, but if I say something about it to somebody who is like literally they could be a single day older than me and they'll be like, honey, just wait until you're my age. And People like, love to just have a competition about how their that. life sucks. I'm like, congratulations on not dying so far. I'm just talking about my life and I'm not even complaining that I have wrinkles. I'm just like, hey, this is a fact about my life now and I use more lotions than I did before. Like, yeah, it's not like it is what it is. And so I'm not making fun of her saying, oh, God, I look like I'm 20 years old. I'm laughing about it because Heather Langenkamp was actually 20 years old when it was being filmed. Yeah, she doesn't look like a high schooler. High schoolers never look like high schoolers in the movies. Johnny Depp looks like a high schooler here. Mm, I think no, he does. Yeah, no, he's tiny boy. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You're a tiny boy. I am a tiny boy. I could probably go to high school right now. No, you got a beard now. I went to high school. I went to oh, middle yeah. school with a guy Fun with a full fact, beard. Everybody, we have never talked about this, but Travis draws himself without beard on all of our episode art, and he is rocking a full beard. So it's not full beard. It's, he lies. It's like scruff. He also lies about my hair a lot too. I take artistic liberties. Beards aren't. Uh, I can't find a good way to really draw a beard on myself and make it look good, so I don't do it. It's. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, if I had a prominent beard, I would make it happen. But my beard isn't really like that big of a deal. Like if you picture me, like Kevin from, from Tame Impala. You don't really think, oh, man, that guy's got a beard. You think, oh, that guy, he's got, like, he's got a soft chin. (laughs) 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 He Sorry, I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even know I ever thought that until just now. <laughs> uh, we're Tame Impala fans. I love Tame Impala. I've got. I've got confetti from their show at Shaky Knees. His show, their show. I like. I. Go, I don't know if it's him or their. I don't. It's know. him, and he tours with a band called Pond. He plays very similar music. Okay. I, like, I get confused because I feel like I read both things all the time. And I'm just like, I don't know. Just going to refer to Tame Paula as Tame Paula all the time. But I also know his name's Kevin. Yeah. Because people go, oh, Kevin. <laughs> Where the fuck were we at? Talking about when she says that she looks like 20. Oh, okay. So she, she says she wants to go hunting in her dream. And she tells Glenn not to fall asleep and to stand guard. Which is obviously a bad idea right off the bat. And I want to point out that Glenn is sitting up in this, Travis. He's sitting straight up. He's not laying in bed reading a book. But he still falls asleep. I'm just saying it's better to do that. I'm not saying it's impossible to fall asleep like that. I'm just saying if you're going to try and stay awake, sit up. Obviously, well, our boy has an issue staying up because he's like he this He falls asleep as fast as her because she goes into her dream and she walks down the sidewalk like 10 feet and then turns around and goes, Glenn, you still awake? And he pops out from behind a bush. He goes, yep. 
And I'm like, he's in your dream, dude. He's obviously not not awake anymore. He's in the dream. No, I don't think that they're sharing a dream. I think that's her dreaming of him. I, f- I feel like he's probably dreaming his own thing. No, I interpreted that as like he's already asleep, though, is what I mean. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that, but, you know. But she, she sees Frederick in Rod's cell, and then she sees Tina. And Glenn is not waking her up, and she's, like, screaming for Glenn to wake her up, and Frederick chases her, and then there's the marshmallow stairs. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, that's, like, and that's such a real, and I like the way that that was visually put onto the screen, because I think everybody who's ever had a nightmare knows that feeling of, like, not being able to move. So I like that idea of, like, instead of just having... Robert England and Heather Langenkamp act like they can't move very much. Like they gave them something to be stuck in. So at this point, do you think that he is actively trying to kill her or do you think he's fucking with her? Oh, he's fucking with her. You think so? I think so. I think he's trying to kill her. No, I think he's fucking with her because... He wrestles her to the ground and then she manages to get out of the dream. He's trying to kill her. Like he's got her pinned down. I think that's one of those things that he's fucking with her. If he's got the opportunity, he's going to kill her, but he's not like hell bent and like, I'm going to kill her right now. I just think he's, I just, I don't think he's doing a good job. I think he's, this you is know, one of the things you against know him here. how sometimes like, um, Zoe likes to pounce on Scout a lot. And when Scout gets the opportunity to pounce on Zoe, sometimes she'll sit there and she'll rev herself up like a little bit too much, too long, and then Zoe goes away. And when she goes away, Scout's just like, "Hmm, okay. Like, you know, she's going to take the opportunity, but if she doesn't, she's not like butthurt. Whereas Zoe, if Zoe wants to attack Scout and she does her little ramp up and Scout moves away before she's ready to pounce, Zoe chases after her. See, that's the thing. I think everything I think Frederick is Scout. I think everything before that is him doing that like little butt wiggle, like getting ready to pounce. And... Him actually chasing her and pouncing on top of her is the point where he's trying to actually see through the whole killing. But he never is able to do it because he sucks at doing this because he's these are like high school children. And my man is a grown adult. He he is struggling to match these kids strength. He is not a grown adult. He is a super natural manifestation. So that makes it even worse than No. A supernatural manifestation is way more physically should be way more physically also, capable than I what he is. I don't fully believe that he wants to just murder her straight out because okay, we haven't gotten there yet obviously, but at the end of the movie after like everybody's dead he's still fucking with her in her dream yeah and this is after he's fucked with her he's already fucked with her at this point he's given her the marshmallow i think for him the thrill is in the chase yeah and he got that chase and he got on her and he but if he can get the chase if he can get the chase before and after death what does it matter when she actually dies it's not like she's special or anything. Like he's preserving her. He hasn't had any issues killing anybody else. She is way more competent than everybody else, and maybe she is special for that reason. Do you ever? Okay, so like when you get a meal and at like a restaurant or something, or you're like invited to a fancy event. 
and you got like a bunch of sides and like the main and there's a side that you're really really excited about and you like eat the other things because you want to save the side for last but you might take a couple of bites of the side but you want to like save the best part like the majority of it for after you've eaten everything else usually the entree is the best part Mm. i'm a vegetarian yeah you're a vegetarian really love side dishes a lot but yeah like you know when you do that thing or like when you eat a pop tart and you eat the like crust part first and then you save the frosting for last (laughs) Listen, I'm not the only person out here that has weird food habits. I know at least one person listening does stuff like this, and I'm sure like more than one does. You're the weird one for not doing that. I'm not saying But it's because I you only eat it. like three things, so. No, I eat like four at least. <laughs> more than three. But anyway, it's a thing like that. So like maybe he's having fun chasing Nancy around. But, like, he's also chasing these other kids around, too, and they're easier to pick off, and he doesn't care as much about fucking with them. And he's just like, okay, boom, I'm going to kill you. It's weird that we don't hear about any other deaths going on during this because the class is way... had more, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a whole class of children. That's probably my biggest complaint is that we're not hearing, like, at least passing mention of, like, oh, somebody else. Like, you know, Tina is the third in Nancy's class to die, just month or something like that yeah you would think that that would be a thing but no he's focusing solely on these four that went to this house party that tina hosted it's a house party i guess i don't know it's a sleepover no it's a boy girl sleepover it's a sexy sleepover it's a halfway sexy sleepover because nancy and glenn are there to support tina and her fake orgasms morality sucks yes Good thing that Nancy knew not to 100% trust Glenn because she also set her very fucking loud alarm clock to go off at like three in the morning. And then when her mom busts in, she's like, oh, yeah, no, no, it's no big deal. Mom, I just had a bad dream. I'm like, I don't think it was your screaming that woke her up, dude. Her mom is probably wasted. Probably. It doesn't doesn't take much to satisfy her whenever you give her an answer. Um, but also I was thinking with this they're trying so the goal is basically to not dream right if you cannot dream <clears throat> like that that would be ideal in this scenario Um, maybe they should try smoking weed because smoking weed apparently reduces your ability to be able to dream so I don't know I'm just saying hmm there are like things you can do to reduce the amount of like how frequently you dream. So maybe not going to sleep. That's kind of a losing battle because you're going to have to go to sleep or else you're going to die. But, you know, you don't need to dream. I always I don't think you do. They still don't really know as far as I know what dreaming is about. So there is actually, so there are certain animals that sleep with only half their brain at a time. Ducks are one such example because they'll sleep like in a flock and they've got like guard ducks around the rest of the flock and they sleep with like half their brain so that way the other half can be like awake and alert. And they talk about humans having that. They call it the first night effect, like the first night in a new place. You're less likely to be fully asleep. You're most likely like... 
kind of in a similar situation like sleeping with half your like you're not fully asleep and that's why you can be more alert to every sound that happens that's been that's been me for a good chunk of time when we first moved into this house it's gotten a lot better recently but for like a little bit i barely slept just because i was on high alert for every single little noise right and so i think that but I also don't think it's a thing that is necessarily easy to control. And if I just heard that smoking weed could stop dreams, like maybe if my issue was that I was having really bad dreams, I'd give it a shot. But like if my issue is that like I'm literally going to be fucking murdered, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the coffee. You know what I mean? Why not both? Because yours is a solution that says like, Smoke the weed, then go to sleep, and you won't have dreams. Minus well, a solution that says don't go to sleep. You can use them together. Like You can smoke weed for whenever you do happen to fall asleep. But you can still take your no-sleep pills. and They're called stay-awake pills. Stay-awake pills, yeah. And then you can drink your coffee. <laughs> that reminds me of that scene. I can't remember when it happens, but her mom confiscates the coffee <laughs> pot like, from her room, and then she just like pulls another coffee pot that's already many, on the burner. How many <laughs> coffee makers are in the Thompson household? Yeah. How many coffee makers did they have before the divorce? Because Marge was able to keep at least two. <laughs> yeah, I just love this. Like, who the hell thinks about doing anything like that? But you know. Also, like the way Nancy's been drinking coffee, does she not have a preferred mug? Is she not just using the same mug over and over and over again? I don't Why know, does she so have weird. so many mugs up there? Maybe she's like us, like we've got our mug collection. But we and... have our go-tos. Yeah, we do. But I don't know. Anyway, after after they convince Marge with very little effort that it was uh, just a bad dream, Nancy and Glenn run to go see Rod and the officer at the desk oh, was like, God damn it. Didn't she... What are you saying God damn it to me saying wait? No. <laughs> oh, didn't she pull the hat out too after that? No, that is at the sleep clinic. Okay. Yeah, so they they run to the police station and the guy at the desk was like, God damn it, not fucking Nancy Thompson, which makes you wonder how Lieutenant Thompson is talking about Nancy at the station. Because she's only been there the one time after her best friend was murdered. Like, I think but the rest of the, like, they're, god damn it, Nancy's here. The way this guy talked, he made it sound like he's had multiple run-ins with her. He said, that's the reason I went to third shift is because I don't have to deal with you anymore. But yeah, it's in the middle of a school night and she's out there at the police office. She's like, she's like we need to see rod and he was like no can do and she's like make it happen and he's like no and then lieutenant thompson who's apparently at the station 24 hours a day starting to see why the divorce might have happened it, <laughs> i think it's a combination between marge's alcoholism and the lieutenant's workaholism yeah uh they uh he was like nancy you need to go home and go to bed and she's like, no, Rod's going to die. And he's like, no, he's behind bars. He's, he's fine. And she's like, just go check on him. And then they go and check on him. And if they hadn't had this whole argument, they would have seen like the sheet like snaking up his body and wrapping a noose around him. But they didn't see that. Instead, they just see him, him dead. 
Yeah, they just gang themselves. It's a uh, it's it's pretty bad. Oh, so after that, Nancy tells her parents that they're all having this same dream about the same guy, and that she thinks it has something to do with it. And the parents share a knowing glance, and they're like, "No, no, no, dear," and they're just gaslight the shit out of her. Uh, <laughs> it's all in your head. You yeah. need some sleep. And after Rod's funeral, which it's weird that they showed Rod's funeral, but not Tina's. Fuck Tina. That's, Why? It's probably what Tina? they said. No, you said that with conviction, sir. Oh, I don't have anything against Tina. Oh, well, you said it like you did. I'm a good actor. <laughs> so at the funeral... uh. Lieutenant Thompson, he's never given a first name. I wish we had a first. Can we give him a first name so I can stop calling him the lieutenant? Mm, a Larry. Larry? He yeah. looks like a Larry. Okay, Larry. He's a Larry for the rest of this episode. Okay. So Larry and Marge stop their bickering for a minute and they're just like, we're worried about Nancy. She's going to be the. She's gonna be what, what makes us nice to each other for a minute. We're worried about her. And he's like, I want her to see a therapist. And Marge is like, I've got something better. And then they drive in silence for three hours until they get to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a sleep study. <laughs> yeah. It's like And Nancy's like, why wasn't I allowed to talk for three hours? Yeah. <laughs> Larry isn't even here. I know that's his go-to move is to continue conversations with different people in different rooms, but <laughs> she was channeling Larry, I guess. I don't know. That's what got them married in the first place. Yeah. They lost that spark somewhere along the way. Some at some point they started starting and ending their conversations together in the same room and they knew the magic was gone. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Nancy's doing a sleep study. And uh her hair goes gray during the fucking study. Like at first, the guy's like, oh, look, her brainwaves, they're normal. It's all good. Oh, she's entering into REM. And then all of a sudden, shit goes crazy. They think she's having a seizure. The machine is freaking out. It's ripping up the paper. There's smoke. There's gunfire. Some of this isn't real. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what, what was she dreaming? Did, did it show what she was dreaming? It didn't, show what, it didn't show what she was dreaming for once we see it from like, an outsider's perspective right, okay. entirely. Yeah. And everybody's running in. I'm sure they've called some kind of code because they they don't know what's happening and they think something medical is an issue here. And she wakes up and she's got like cuts on her arms that are real deep. She's got like this streak of gray hair and she's got Frederick's hat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is where she gets the hat. So the whole thing like in uh, the sleep study, people were like, go home. we don't know what to tell you uh inconclusive is what they put in her chart like yeah let's just write that shit off that didn't happen Uh, so afterwards we see marge on the phone and she's uh hiding some vodka behind herself again it's in the morning we know because she's in a bathrobe and I feel like she's the type of person that bathrobes it all day. I think she like probably puts on like her LuLaRoe later in the afternoon so that way she can feel like she's wearing something but she's still in her athlete. Mm, yeah. Um 
Nancy calls her out for being a fucking alcoholic. She's like, hey, mom, I'm dealing with some real shit and you're off and like your la-la land. She's like, maybe I should just get wasted with you so I don't have to deal with any of this. And Marge is like, Nancy, what? And then Nancy throws the vodka on the floor and she goes, Nancy, what? No, I like how whenever she's, (laughs) it's getting too real and she's calling her out and her mom just like immediately goes to like the swap. Like she's like, like that's what happens when you're confronted with like too much information that hurts you personally. You're like you're at your wits end. You don't know what else to do. Your instinct just says fucking slap, and then she slaps her. <laughs> I feel like they were both surprised by like what happened there, but like <laughs> she's like, I don't know. Like I was I was backed against the corner. Like I feel like that's like a, <laughs> I just look like that as a reaction like a go to just like. <laughs> You're getting called out by somebody yeah. at work or something, and you know something that hits you a little bit too close to home. You're just like, <laughs> just slap at somebody. I don't know. I'm gonna do that next time somebody goes in my office. I'm like, hey, I know this is last minute. I'm just gonna be like, <laughs> <laughs> it's primal. I don't know. It, it, it works, I guess. Uh, and we see Nancy and Glenn talking on the scenic bridge. Eaten. <laughs> Eaten. Because he eats when he's stressed. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Um, But he's talking about dream skills. And Nancy's talking about learning about booby traps. And then Glenn goes, hey, speaking of boobies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So they talk about it. And it's just important because it comes back later. Because Nancy does booby traps. And the dream skill, like the turning your back on what is in the dream takes away the energy that's that's important for later so just keep that in mind uh she gets home after being on the scenic bridge and finds there's bars on all of her windows and i just want to know how much marge had to pay not only to get those nice like cast iron like gothic style bars on all of the windows but to get it rush ordered and you know she did not install that shit herself no definitely not yeah i was thinking the same thing how is it possible to get that so fast? And there were so many fucking windows on that house. Yeah, it's a How mansion. How expensive was this? And it, like, I, how was she planning this for a while? Because, like... I think just... it was just to happen after this slap. <laughs> just... That's when shit turned. Which... Which is, like... You made me slap you. You can't leave the house anymore. Yeah, that's like, that's what happened. Cage match. <laughs> okay, but um, Marge says that it's for security, and Nancy's like, security from what? And she's like, not security from what? From whom? And she did say whom. I wrote down whom in my notes. Good for her. Yeah. Getting fancy. Yeah. So she tells Nancy the story of Frederick. There, like, there was a child murderer. And he gets caught. And he goes to court. But there's, like, a loophole because something wasn't done right. It was a warrant. It wasn't signed properly. Yeah, a warrant wasn't signed properly. So he gets off. And a bunch of the parents tracked him down and they burnt him alive in his boiler room. And she pulls out her stash of vodka from next to the furnace. 
Did she and have she one next to the furnace? Yes. Dude, that's a and weird place said, to hide it. And she said, Nancy, you don't have to worry about Frederick because mommy killed him. And then she presents Nancy with his wrapped yeah. glove. She's like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck? She's proud of it, too. She's like, oh, too, I got his I got his knife hands. Like, what the fuck are you doing keeping those? Why did you grab that? Like, it makes me feel like... Like Marge did most, like she was the mastermind behind it. Because why else would she keep the gloves? I get the point that they were trying to move past it. But if you're trying to move past it, why would you keep something that would remind you of it? So, and this is where my thesis kind of comes in. I think that this movie is a little bit, not directly, but like we know Wes Craven like loves meta commentary, right? Mm -hmm. I think that this is... What happens after a horror movie is over? Because you could see the whole child murderer vigilante thing being kind of like a horror movie situation. You know, like you're an adult, you see all of these children around you dying and the local law enforcement is incompetent. So you take action into your own hands, right? Yeah. That's classic, classic slasher movie type thing. And then you have to think like, and I think what comes up in discussions after horror movies like that is what is the after effects for the character? What is their lives like? What what kind of therapy are they doing? Are they actually living fulfilling lives? And we can see like Tina's parents, they split up. The dad is just completely out of their lives. And it sounds like the mom is like not present for Tina at all. We see Nancy's parents have split up. Her mom is an alcoholic. Her dad won't stay away from work. We don't know anything about Rod's parents, but we know he's kind of off the chain. Nobody besides Nancy came to see him in jail, so they're clearly not involved with him. The only couple that's still together is Glenn's parents, and it seems like the dad is very, very paranoid, and the mom is like just a nervous little ball of energy the whole time. So I think we are seeing these parents dealing with their own trauma, but it's not... We're not focusing on their trauma directly, but we're seeing how, like, it's this—it's almost like generational trauma that they're dealing with, which is what I think this story is doing. What do you so mean by it, generational? Generational trauma. trauma is so like when something, it, it if an older generation has experienced something, and the after effects of that are still influencing future generations. So. Even though Nancy isn't, Nancy didn't have the exact same experience that her parents did, and she's not responding in the exact same way. She's still having after effects of that trauma as a result of it. Okay. And she's having to also not only is she dealing with like Frederick himself, but she's also having to deal with everything that came along with her parents' response to what happened. So she's having to deal with her parents being split up, her dad being mostly absent, and her mom, in her way, also being mostly absent. So I think there's there's a lot of... I think, to me, I interpret it just knowing how Wes Craven is in general. I think it is a little bit of, A, what happens after the horror movie's over, what happens, like... Not even just immediately after, but decades down the road. I like that take. I think that's pretty cool, actually. If that was actually the case, then yeah, that would be really neat. The cool thing about movies is you can interpret them however you want. That's true. So it's been, we find out that it's been seven days since Nancy slept. And we know this because she's called Glenn. She's trying to warn 
him about Frederick coming for him and her because she says, you know, once he gets me, he's going to get you too. And she's, uh, he's like, what is, and when he's like, how long have you been awake? She says seven days. Don't worry. I checked Guinness. The record is 11 days. And that is accurate. It was accurate as of 1964 and nobody has beat it since then. It was like something like 11 days and 17 minutes, 17 minutes. I feel like David Blaine's going to take that on. I think so. Uh, but Glenn's dad is outside, and this is where he's drinking and being judgmental of uh, Nancy's mom and Nancy, really. Mostly Nancy. Yeah. Uh, I love this because from the time when Nancy and Glenn have their conversation and she's like, I'm going to try and do this thing at midnight, stay awake until midnight, I think it almost like it feels like time drags so slowly which i feel like is accurate for when you're really tired like that and you're trying to stay awake kind of yeah a lot of things happen in this a lot of of things happen in a really short amount of time but i think that's kind of what the beauty is because you're like oh sure because i think part of it is because we're so used to movie time moving so much faster right because we see periods of days weeks months in movies and this was like it was just dragging so much and she's and we just and this is where we're just seeing like her trying to stay awake looking at the clock getting prepared and this is where we see glenn is listening to a record player and watching the tv at the same time and his mom comes in and he makes a joke about watching naked ladies they have that kind of relationship i guess good for them um the last thing that they get to do together is joke because glenn falls asleep He only had to stay awake for 15 or 20 minutes, but he falls asleep and he gets fucking sucked into his bed. And I I feel the need we need to we need to talk about Frederick's call to Nancy. Oh, yeah. Was that before or after? It's it's before. Okay. Um. So Nancy suspects that glenn's falling asleep because he's done this shit before so she tries to call to wake him up and glenn's dad is not fucking having it so he leaves the phone off the hook and then she tries or then frederick calls her and is like i'm your boyfriend now nancy and then it turns the phone into a tongue and that's creepy and gross yeah yeah that was also gross what you just did yeah uh So she tries to go down and run across the street because she knows what's up, even if all the parents are like, no, you're wrong. And Marge is like drunk as a skunk on the couch. The door is locked from the inside with a key. And she's like, I don't even know where the key is. And I'm like, Marge, what happens if the house catches on fire? This is a bad plan. Um, And she's like, you're going to get some sleep, even if it kills me. I'm like, I feel like you're going to pass out before Nancy does, Marge. Yeah, she's wasted. And then then Glenn gets pulled into the bed and just like a torrent of blood shoots up and like makes an ocean of blood on the ceiling. Another one that I was wondering how they pull this off. This is I would say this is the best one, the best death of the movie. It like it it sticks in your brain. And I feel like it doesn't even really look like blood, but it just looks like a sea of red. Yeah, like, it's, it's insane. so yeah, it's so insane. See, this is what I'm talking about. If he wanted to kill these people, he why is he not doing this shit with Nancy? Because it would be a really fucking short movie, Travis. Stop being a buzzkill. Not if we had like all the other kids. 
Do you not want anybody to root for her? Are you actually legitimately rooting for Frederick? I'm just, well, just stop fucking with her. And, you know, just keep killing everybody and be like Final Destination where it's one at a time. And yeah, but you still have a main character that you follow in Final Destination. Yeah, but you're waiting for his turn. That's what I'm saying. With her, she would be like, fuck, Glenn's dead now. Now it's my turn. I'm up next. I got to get this shit going. Well, that is basically what she does. She's trying to get her dad to come to the house in 20 minutes and arrest him. And he's like only halfway listening to her. I don't know who put the phone back on the hook at this point because she's talking to him on the phone. No, but she's yelling at him from no, the... No, no, no. She's talking to him on the phone. Is she? Mm-hmm. Oh. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So he gets some sleep. Like he's only listening to half of what she's saying. And... Oh, um, they probably... They probably plug the phone in to call the cops. I guess. There's so many phones in the house. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so somehow, in 10 minutes, she manages to set up all of these booby traps. Yeah. Have a farewell conversation with her mom and tuck her mom into bed. And the the talk that her mom gives her Talks about how Nancy is like good at facing things head on, but sometimes you need to know when to just turn around and walk away, which mirrors that conversation that she was having with Glenn earlier about the dream skills and like turning your back on things so you don't give them energy anymore. And we see her do all of this in 10 minutes and then she falls asleep finds frederick and manages to be grabbing onto him when her alarm goes off so she pulls him out of the dream and she's like you know running through the house setting off all these different traps and everything and that's when she breaks out the front door and she's shouting through the bars and she's like "Get my dad and the guy's like no fuck you nancy i hate you and the house is on fire at this point yeah the house is on fire and she's like get my dad you asshole and i was like hell yeah nancy you know what i like about this they did the remainder of this whole thing mostly with Freddy being on fire. And they kept the guy on fire throughout the whole thing. I mean, not obviously not like in one shot, but like it was pretty cool. I mean, you can tell it's somebody in a fire suit because it's like Freddy swelled up a little bit. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. You got to appreciate them actually going full on fire. Especially, I'm trying to think how it would have went with them, because they were, I don't know if they did this in a set or what, but like the space looked really tight. So this this like a big fire just wandering around the whole home. Dangerous as shit. That shit could have been dangerous. Yeah. And like, so all of this, like there's all kinds of traps going off. Like there's actual like gunshot happening, different fires lighting. White bulb exploding, sledgehammer to the gut. Yeah. There's so much stuff happening. And the other cop this whole time is like hearing this ruckus, seeing these explosions, seeing these fires. He's like, gee golly, I wonder if I should get Larry. Yeah. That's so (laughs) fucking stupid. I don't know. I don't know what I should. But eventually the cops do come over. And Nancy's like, thank God, finally. And then she can't find Frederick, but she does find some fiery footprints, which I think is also a really cool effect because that's like not that how fire works, but it's like, it's just cool to see. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Uh, and of course, because the cops are incompetent and Nancy isn't 
Frederick has jumped on top of Marge and burns smothered her to death. Um, so what the hell happens here? Because her mom is, I think she's like a skull at this point, and then suddenly the bed opens up, and then she slowly descends into the bed. That's what happens. What the fuck? What? This is in reality at this point. Yeah, I think bringing Freddy out of the dream had like some metaphysical ramifications. That's That's the way I interpret it. And also, you can't convince me that Nancy was actually fully awake for all of this. I think it's meant to be ambiguous. Like, we don't what know what happens. And, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we don't know what happens. Because the following scene is obviously yeah. a dream. Like, so, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, so after after all of this, you know, Larry Larry sees it, and, um, you know, Nancy's just like, okay, just uh, give me a second. And Larry, being the stellar father he is, is like, yeah, I'll let you stay in here with the bed where your mother's corpse has been absorbed. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's logical. You're not in shock. It's fine. But Nancy turns around and she's just like, I take back all the energy I give you. Um, like it's like literally turning her back on him. And then we get some really, really gnarly, um, early edition windows video editor effects (laughs) like across the screen. Yeah. It's not the best effects, uh, but we get the we get the gist is that Freddy's energy has supposedly been taken away. It's like it here, like yeah, it's basically oh you just don't believe it anymore, whatever. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of parallels with this and it that I never really realized before. Yeah, we were talking about it, but yeah. So then we have like a hard cut to like an overly bright morning. And Nancy's like, all right, I'm off to school. And her mom's like, okay, that's great. Have a good day. I'm done drinking. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's all like very uncanny. Yeah. And Nancy's like, oh, cool. My friends are still alive. And she goes and she gets in this convertible and they're like, haha, it's a good time. And then the the top slams over and they're like, whoa, what? It's got red and, and green just, stripes. Yeah, and it's red and green stripes and it just keeps slamming and they're freaking out and the car speeds off down the street and Marge is just like in a lull. I think she gave up the drinking for like a Xanax because she's like way too calm on the front porch. She's just like, oh, that's nice. And then a blow-up dog gets pulled through the front door. Uh, I A lot of people complain about the blow-up dog part. I'm a fan personally. Um, because this goes into... It would have been just weird if, like, if she was just a blow-up doll the entire time. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't need to have, like, the mouth. You know, just have it be, like, an inflatable version of her. Um, you just like the blow-up dolls are for, right? Yeah, fucking. <laughs> um, make it just be, like, an inflatable version of her. But the thing is, um, stuff like that. Like a sudden change to her being inflatable, it kind of adds a little bit of like a surrealism to it. Like it suddenly you, turns into something completely different. You are the one that has been complaining about this type of stuff for the entire goddamn movie, Travis. This right here? I'm not complaining about this. You got so mad about Frederick's arms being so long earlier. Yeah, but that was stupid. I don't oh. like it. Oh, so when you don't like it, it's stupid. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. 
I like this. And a lot of people don't like this part, but I like it because it's kind of weird. I don't know. It kind of throws you off just seeing her be like all inflatable, just being drugged through the window. I know that they did it just for like, you know, the scene. It wasn't intentionally done like that, but you know, in the end, I like it. I like it. I like it. So it's been a long time since I've watched the series all the way through. I, with, with, franchises i am definitely a person that i'll jump around depending on what mood i'm in watching them at different points throughout the series and so this part of the reason this podcast is interesting because it's the first time that i'm really going through friday the 13th in the nightmare on elm street movies in order and even then travis and i have had weeks where we've been like hey do you want to watch freddy versus jason we did that like a month ago so we're, we're still kind of doing that a little bit yeah but it's going to be really interesting because I know the other, probably the most recent Nightmare on Elm Street before this one was A New Nightmare. The remake? No, A New Nightmare. Are you talking, okay, well, the remake was more recent, but yeah, The New Did Nightmare. You, oh, fuck. I blocked out watching the remake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and that canonically, Heather Langenkamp is like actually still alive and then she's experiencing it. So I'm just, I'm in like, I think they were trying to reboot the movie in it. Is that correct? She returns in three. Yeah, I know she returns in a later one. I'm trying to think of New Nightmare, what the plot is. New Nightmare is a meta one where they play yeah. a version of themselves. They yeah. play like the cast. No, because Heather Langenkamp is like talking about rebooting the series, yeah. right? Yeah. So I I know like within the canon of Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy's not officially dead. Yeah. But I just can't remember how they get out of it. So I'm going to be interested to see. Well, yeah, you don't really see her die. You just see. Yeah, but the implication is basically that she's dead. Yeah. Well, so. like most like first entries of a horror franchise, they're meant to be one-offs. So if it would have ended like that, that would have been cool. Because Yeah. You know, no, it's great. Like as a standalone film. Yeah. It, it's honestly like it it's amazing yeah it's good it's good it's a good movie but i wouldn't you know i don't i don't know i don't like it as much as other people well after we've talked about it how are you feeling uh i don't know i don't really my opinion hasn't really changed on Freddy. You haven't really convinced me otherwise. Uh, but it's not just Freddy. It's the whole fucking movie, man. The movie, the rest of the movie's good. So, uh, okay, I won't let Freddy drag it down four points. So I'll I'll make it a seven. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't really see Freddy as a good slasher villain. I don't know. I just... Uh, he's fine. He's just not creepy to me. And I understand that he's creepy to a lot of other people, but he just doesn't really take it for me. I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. On paper, he sounds like something that would really work for me. But I think it's just the way that they execute it in a lot of these movies. You don't really... Um, I wish that he had more surreal shit like fucked with him more in the dreams like so the worst that he's got here is like him like giving himself long arms and i don't know 
he cuts his chest open and green pus and maggots pour out at one point. He cuts his fingers off. He becomes a car. I would have maybe preferred he ease into it a little bit more because he starts right off the bat. He's like, look at these fucking things. And he cuts himself open and then he's like, yeah, look at my fucking fingers. You know, maybe let's ease into it a little bit and give me a reason to have that little jarring experience of being like, whoa, what the fuck is happening here? Like, I thought shit was good, but no. No, and so he's just like, yeah, I'm all burnt, and look at this. I'm scary. But he's not. Okay, well, the more we talked about it, the more I realized that I undersold it at the beginning because it's such a fucking great horror movie. It's tense. It's got amazing... We didn't talk about the music, but the music is amazing. It's okay. I love it. I think it's really good. I wouldn't rank it up there with the most iconic soundtracks. Well, there's a lot of iconic soundtracks up there. Yeah, but... And I think I think that's part of what does it for me is I don't always think about... Because we think about the one, two, three... That's more three. iconic. We think about that, but that's not really the music. And then when we were watching it, every time I heard that little... Dun, 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 I was like, ooh, this is like, because it's like slightly dreamy, but it's also slightly sinister. And I think it's just, it fits the movie really well. See, every time I heard that, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really stick out like other classics. Music is really important for these types of movies, too. I'm not saying it was a bad soundtrack. It's it's good, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stand the test of time for me. Anyway, as I was saying. I feel like there's so many classic moments in this, so much classic imagery, so many classic ideas, and I think I need to give it a 9.5. Oh, I'm glad you didn't do 10. <laughs> I thought you were going to bump it up like to a full and 10. Only just because there were a couple of effects that were distracting to me. Yeah? Like what? I've talked about them. Sorry. I forgot which ones you said. Like Tina's. Uh, oh, they're her chest. Yeah, yeah. her chest. And uh, that was really the big one for me was the chest and then the blow up doll at the end. Oh, you don't like it? <laughs> I don't like it. No. Um, so our new average is 8.25. 8.25. And that's, I think that's fair. So Talia really didn't do much. She just barked at the TV dogs at the beginning of this, and then she slept the rest of the time. So at least it has but, good dog actors. Yeah, I think, yeah, between the dog actors and the fact that she went fully committed to the bit of it being a dream movie, I'm going to say Talia gives us a seven. Yeah, she had really active dreams during this. She, she was really kind of doing what Nancy did when yeah. she was getting her brain scanned, just like <laughs> twitching all over the place. Okay, so with our series, we're not doing changes or sequels. With this? No. Why? Because we haven't been doing it with uh, Friday the 13th either. Oh, right. But I am going to ask, who did you relate to the most? I related to... I don't know, man. I related to... Glenn, because I like to watch TV and go to sleep a lot. I thought you were going to say, because I like to watch naked ladies. 
that's a very small thing that he does in this. He he watches TV and falls it's asleep. Like, like the like, last thing he says. Yeah, but yeah, no, I don't. No, uh, yeah, that's that's my thing. What, who who do you relate to? Probably Tina. Why? Because um, I feel like if I was having, like, I've had a lot of bad dreams in my life, but I think if I was having dreams that were, like, actually becoming, like, real, I would die right away. I don't think I would last, like, I think I would just die before anybody had a chance to figure out what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Okay. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. So thank you guys for sticking with us. Thanks for being a part of our Patreon family. As always, if you want to talk to us, you can email us at leastfavoritescarymovie at gmail.com. You can find us on social media on Twitter at leastfavoritespod, Instagram at leastfavoritescarymoviepodcast, and Facebook page by the name of our podcast. You can follow Travis on Instagram at GroovyCommie, on Twitter at TravLaw, and you can follow Talia on Instagram at AllTaliaWhat. If you really, really like us and you want to support us in other ways other than just the Patreon, please go to wherever you can review podcasts and review us. Five stars, good comments. If you think we're shit, first of all, why are you paying money to listen to this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But if you think we're shit, um, don't rate us on any of those websites. Go to Twitter and call Travis out. Mm-hmm. Please. He, he wants to fight with somebody. It's part of my dream destiny, yes. apparently. Yes, it's his dream destiny. Let him become his true self. Yeah, I'm looking for my brother out there. Yeah. Be, be you. Be a strange man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a successful man. Uh, <laughs> and we will be having our like i'm hoping that we're posting this before may 20th that's my goal is to post this earlier in the week are you leaving this soon yes okay so i'm hoping that that means that our next like free episode on spotify apple podcasts Podchase, or whatever um all of that will be on the 20th and it will be friday the 13th part five a new beginning that's the hope that's the goal that's the dream if not then we will definitely have it posted before the 27th where we will be talking about troll two and i don't know when we're gonna do our next patreon episode we'll for sure have a nightmare on elm street in june and we're gonna potentially look at other like mini sods so I feel like we need to crank these yeah. things out yeah, we're gonna, multiple once, a month. Yeah, once we once we get to a point where we can like record couple we just we fell behind with the move and I'm really not trying to use that as an excuse. It's just like the actual reality of the situation. It moving's a bitch and we got really far ahead on our recordings before we moved and then immediately went back to square zero. So once we get ahead, we'll be able to start doing some mini sods and it'll be good again. Yeah. So that's it for now, and we appreciate you guys, and thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Just flip my book over.